0: If you uh, have your Bible, please go ahead and turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 4, okay? Romans chapter 4 is where we will be today. And um, as you get there, um, I'm going to open up our time in prayer. As we look into open God's Word, I would like to just uh, pray for our time together, okay? Father God, we uh, come to you this morning um, as our good, good Father... We thank you, God, that we can come uh, in uh, ease and peace this morning where we are to worship you. Uh, we know that that's not the case for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. We uh, pray for them who are worshiping you and studying your word in hiding and under threat this morning. Lord, we pray for those that are uh, without homes even this morning from, from storms and tornadoes last night. Lord, would you comfort them? Would you, would you be with them? God, as we uh, open up your word this morning, we, um, we pray you would minister to our hearts. We have uh, needs, we have distractions, we have stress, we have turmoil. Um, the Holy Spirit, we pray that over the next uh, minutes you would speak to us from your word, that you would challenge us, you would comfort us with your word, and uh, that you would change us uh, by your word, by your spirit. Jesus, we thank you so much that uh, you have not left us in this world alone. You have not left us without hope, but you have come and you have rescued us. You have died for us. You have been raised from the dead. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, and you are coming back again to get us and to bring your perfect kingdom. So, Jesus, we thank you for that hope. We thank you for that truth. that. that navigates our life, that navigates our thoughts, even in times of storms. And it's in your beautiful name we pray, Amen. Well, Romans chapter four, we uh, we have a lot of ground to cover today. Um, I'm going to attempt uh, to walk all the way through Romans four twenty five verses, which is uh, a lot of slugging to do, uh, and uh, we'll see how we go. I some one of you sent me a meme this week that uh, said there is a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. And uh, I didn't know whether to laugh or uh, to be offended by that, but we got a lot of work to do, so uh, here we go. We've been in Romans pretty much all this year. We've taken a break the last couple weeks, so we have some review to do. And uh, as we come to Romans chapter 4, I want to remind you of this outline of Romans, uh, and this is on our resource page uh, for Romans, if you go online, you can find this outline from Warren Wearsby excuse me, but I love it it's uh it 's simple. he talks the beginning is the beginning part of Romans is all about sin, and uh, if you 've been here recently, you know that we spent about five weeks talking about sin, uh, which is not uh, a great way to win friends and uh, and grow a church, but we did it, and uh, we talked about sin, and now we're in the section called. Salvation, hallelujah! Uh, thankfully, and that uh, started at three twenty-one, chapter three, verse twenty-one, and we'll be in that through chapter five, basically, and then uh, on into uh, chapter six through eight, sanctification, sovereignty, and then service. I love that brief little outline. Helps me. Hope it helps you. But uh, we've been talking about sin, and now we're talking about salvation. And and if you were here, if you remember, we talked about how uh, in church we talked about this. There are a lot of different ways to sin. Uh, are you aware of this? You know, uh, there's lots of different ways of sin, and and you may think first thing we well, sin is sin is doing something wrong. Well, that's right. That's one aspect of it. And and Romans and Paul Paul talks about that in Romans chapter one. Uh, in Romans chapter one, you have the type of sin that's just rebellious sin. It's it's those uh, ones that we love to list, and sometimes Christians love to you know point their fingers at. And it's a lot of just blatant rebellion against God. But that's not we don't we don't only sin in rebellious action. We can also sin uh, in our attitudes and uh, how we think about and how we think about other people. We can we can sin through unrighteousness, but we can also sin through self righteousness. And that's the kind of sin we talked about in Romans chapter two. So Romans chapter one is one type of sin, and it's kind of the gross, nasty you know, stuff, gossip, and all sexual sin, and all that stuff, that typically first comes to your mind, but Romans 2 is the kind of sin that uh, looks pretty respectable, actually. I mean, Romans chapter 2, Paul is saying, hey, you guys are sinners too, you Jewish people with religious upbringing, uh, you moralistic people that kind of salute, hey, I'm a good, uh, upstanding, moral, uh, you know, American, conservative, person here in Texas. I'm a, I'm a good upstanding person. And I, uh, in, in my office, uh, I, don't, I don't fudge on my expense reports. I don't fudge on my mileage. I'm a good person. And, and Paul says, hey, you, you can not only be a sinner of Romans 1 kind of flavor, but you can also be a sinner Romans 2 kind of flavor, which is not unrighteousness, but self-righteousness. Uh, There's lots of different ways to sin. You can sin in action, you can sin in attitude, you can sin in unrighteousness, you can also sin in self-righteousness. And so he talked about that, Romans 1, Romans chapter 2, but then Romans chapter 3, he got to basically the point of it, Romans chapter 3, he said, guess what, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, if you look at Romans uh, 3, 9, it says that uh, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. Under sin, meaning that we're we're captive to it, we're we're a prisoner to it, we're born into it, uh, and and we're slaves to it in some sense. We are under sin, and we are therefore uh, culpable for our sin. We are under judgment because of our sin, whether it's Romans one kind of sin or Romans two kind of sin. We're all sinful. Uh, Romans three nine, and also he concludes uh, as well as uh, in uh, chapter three verse nineteen, he says. Uh, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Why? So that every mouth may be stopped, or some translations say every mouth may be shut, and the whole world held accountable to God. And so the Apostle Paul, again, not trying to win friends and influence people, but is basically saying all have sinned. And every mouth, therefore, should be shut. You know, you might tell your kids sometimes, hey, stop talking. Stop talking. Shut your mouth. No more excuses, right? Um, maybe your kids don't make excuses. It's mine, but uh, preacher's kids. Uh, but anyway, all accountable to God, everyone, Jew, Gentile, all those different types of sinners. And, and then he gives us 321, we said, is kind of the hinge verse where we get the salvation, the good news. And, and we read that earlier in uh, our service. Uh, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law well and the prophets bear witness to it. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. How do you get righteousness? How do you get a right standing before God? You get it through faith in Jesus Christ. And he's going to use Abraham as an example of that as we get into chapter four, okay? He talks about the good news in 21 uh, verses 26 of chapter three, and we're building up to chapter four here, okay? Setting the context. But then you'll notice in uh, chapter, or in, excuse me, in verse 27, he begins to talk about boasting. So look at verse 27 there with me. He says, what then becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. And then he goes on to say God is the God of Jews and Gentiles, and he justifies all, whether Jew or Gentile, whether you have the law or whether you're a Gentile and you're not familiar with God's Old Testament law. He, he, he justifies everyone who is justified. He justifies them by faith. And so that fact, that good news, brings a question to a Jewish mind, and there were Jewish people in Rome a part of this church that he writes to apparently, and their question comes in verses 30 and 31. And I say, well, if God justifies people by faith, and it doesn't matter if they keep the law or whether they disobey the law, the question comes in in verse 30 and 31. Since God is one who will justify the, uh, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, verse 31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? In other words, does the law not matter? Do we overthrow the law by this principle of justification by faith? And Paul says, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And now, let me give you exhibit A, Paul says, Abraham, this guy who grew up and was this huge part of the Old Testament and, uh, uh, for Israel and we're going to see that abraham was justified by faith just like you and i can be justified by faith and that therefore excludes verse 27 boasting boasting think about this do we uh, do we boast are we proud people do we do we brag sometimes maybe we you know have our little league trophies still up in our bedroom you know from baseball or this wrestling tournament that i won we we trophies are our are boasting right we might not just boast about our athletic achievement we might boast about our kids we might boast by about how much money we have we might boast through our spending through our homes through what we drive we we may boast hey i'm a i'm a member of this church i i, I attend church every week or i i teach the kids classes every week we may uh we may boast uh that we exercise or we may boast that we don't exercise okay which is i i flip between both of those sometimes uh there's this phenomenon in our uh, world right now uh, called Facebook. Uh, have you ever boasted on Facebook, or have you ever seen anyone else, maybe one of your neighbors or someone, someone boast? I mean, I mean, let's face it, I'm on Facebook, but Facebook can pretty much be uh, boasting central. You know, I mean, it's like a highlight reel. Here's how pretty the kids look. You know, here's here's what I had for lunch. That's either. So healthy or so unhealthy, but I, I'm boasting about it. Uh, I, I, ch- I checked into the gym, you know, I'm boasting. I worked out today. Uh, that never happens to me. You know, uh, but I boast about not doing it because I'm not as vain as you people, right? So I boast about that. Uh, we are boasting kind of people. And uh, I wonder, just actually, I wonder seriously, is it possible even to not boast? To not boast about something. And I would offer you that it's it's probably impossible. We we are boasting people and, and boasting we boast because boasting is is not just our hubris, not just our pride, but it also psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, we we have to have as humans some security. Something to stand on. Here's my worth. Here's, here's my foundation. Here's my standing before you. I've got to boast about something. And the question of chapter 3 and 4 and the question of the gospel is, what are you boasting in? And is it yourself or is it something or is it someone? Is it boasting in God or is it boasting in yourself? But we are going to boast in something, right? Right? So he he goes on in this idea of boasting and that that justification by grace through faith doesn't allow us to boast because God justifies us. Therefore, boasting is excluded. And we'll explain that as we go along. A couple weeks ago, I used an illustration about a buddy of mine that gave me his bike. He knew that I never checked into the gym. He could tell that on Facebook. He could tell that I'd put on a few pounds since the last time we got together, and I was up in Oklahoma visiting, and uh, he saw my need. Uh, I expressed my need to shed a few pounds, and what did he do? Out of the grace that is my friend Jay, he gave me a really nice bike. What did I do to deserve it? Nothing. I simply had a need. I simply expressed a need. I simply demonstrated a need, and he gave me a gift because of grace. And all I did was receive the gift. What can I boast about? Hey, I'm fat, and I need a bike. You know? I need to lose some weight, and a guy gave me a bike. I can boast about the bike. I can boast about my friend Jay, but what I can't boast about is, hey, I bought this bike for free. Uh, boasting by grace is excluded. So with that very long introduction, with already too much uh, to talk about this morning, look with me at uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, okay? And we're going to try to race through this as fast as possible. Richard is going to read those first eight verses for us, and then we will uh, walk through this.
1: What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Richard. So
1: these first eight verses,
0: point number one here is that Abraham was not justified by works. That's what Paul is going to let us know here. That's what the original audience needs to know. That's what you and I need to know. And he uses this word throughout the passage, and it's sometimes translated counted, and sometimes translated credited. If you have the New American Standard Version, it probably says credited. Sometimes it switches back and forth. But it says, uh, verse 5, one of my favorite verses, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted or credited as righteousness. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies, and does, does he justify the godly people? Does he justify just the nice people at the office, just the upstanding, you know, law-abiding uh, Texans? No, he justifies the ungodly. That's you and me, even in our self-righteousness or even in our unrighteousness. Verse 5, the great verse to have in your back pocket as you're sharing the gospel with people because most people think if I'm going to get to God, I've got to kind of straighten up and clean up my life. And his point here is that you are not saved by what you do. You are not saved by works, but you are saved by faith, and it's credited to you. Now, we all know there's different ways of getting things credited into our account, and this this is an, an accounting term, okay? But there's two different ways, as he says in those verses. You can get something credited to your account as a wage, right? Hey, I worked my... 40 hours this week, or I worked my 60 or 70 hours this week, whatever it is you work, and you get credited. Maybe it's an automatic draft, you know, uh, deposit, whatever. It's credited to your account, but it's not credited to your account as a gift. It's credited as a wage. But salvation is not credited to your account as a wage. It's credited as a gift, as a free gift. You did not work to get that credit. All you did is all you did is believe. If you ask people today, and I'm stealing this straight from Tim Keller and our study guide, so uh, this is stolen material right here, this next point. But Tim Keller says, if you ask people today, if you die and go to heaven, why should you spend eternity with God? You basically, oftentimes you'll get three basic responses, okay? One response goes like this. Because I've tried my best to be a good Christian. That's one response. Another response is, because I believe in God and try to do his will. And another very popular one, because I believe in God with all my heart. Now, let me tell you the errors of each of those responses. Some of you are thinking, that's an error? I mean, I, I would kind of say that myself. Well, let me, let me unpack it for us, okay? If you die today, why would you spend eternity with God? Because I've tried my best to be a good Christian. Folks, that is basically salvation by works. Salvation by works. I've tried. It's what I have to do now. That's not salvation by grace through faith. Secondly, because I believe in God and try to do his will. Well, there's faith, but it's also mixed with works. And thirdly, the third one sounds good because I believe in God with all my heart. I'm really sincere. I'm a passionate person. If you knew my heart, you'd know I'd love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And basically what you're trusting in here is your heart and your effort and your sincerity That sounds innocent enough, but you might be putting your faith in yourself, faith in your faith, so to speak. And Paul is saying here very plainly in these first eight verses, you are not saved by works. I am not saved by my works. He goes on. Point number two, Abraham was not justified by circumcision. Abraham was not justified by circumcision. Richard, I'm going to have you read uh, verses 9 through 12.
1: Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? also for the uncircumcised for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness how then was it counted to him was it before or after he had been circumcised it was not after but before he was circumcised he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Now, I forgot to, uh, in a previous point, mention David. He brings up this Saint David, too, basically to the same effect. Psalm 32. Is, now, was, was David a perfect guy? Was David saved by his works? No, he blew it but his sins were covered. His sins were not counted against him by grace through faith, okay? Then, verses 9 through 12, second point, Abraham was not justified by circumcision. Now, I bet you haven't had a conversation lately where someone was bragging to you about their circumcision. Uh, I haven't. That's not a, typically an objection. Hey, I'm circumcised. I'm good, uh, unless you run with a really weird crowd. Uh, but we do have rituals, and, and circumcision was the sign, it was, it was the seal of the covenant that they had in the Old Testament, that you had to be circumcised on the eighth day, and that showed that you were a member of this set-apart community, Israel. We we don't brag about circumcision today, okay, but we do brag about some other traditions we have, right? Hey, I was born in a Christian family. My parents are good people, Um. I've I've grown up. I'm a member. I've been a member of a church all my life. That's my sign. That's my seal. Or how about this one? I was baptized as a as a baby. Baptism is in the New Testament is equivalent is like circumcision in the Old Testament. It is the sign and seal. If you were here last week, I talked a little bit about baptism from Matthew chapter 28. How baptism is the sign and seal. It's a sign. It it shows it identifies you as a part of God's family. It, it, identi- it shows your faith. Sign and seal. Sign is a mark of identity. Seal is a mark of authenticity, right? So, if you're baptized, that's a sign and a seal. It it identifies you as a Christian, and it also authenticates for the family of faith that this faith is genuine. But many of you grew up, and I, 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 was, I was baptized as an infant, and this passage right here in Romans chapter 4 is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that we think baptism should happen after faith. Believer's baptism, right? But whatever you say about baptism, and, and some of you come from backgrounds where baptism was just pounded into you, if you weren't baptized, it might be questionable if you're a believer, right? Let's go ahead, let's get you in some water real fast and make sure. Um, But what we see here is that baptism is a circumcision, a sign and a seal, but it is not a condition. Salvation is not conditioned upon circumcision or baptism, but it is rather a sign and seal of faith, of salvation. Okay, That's point number two. Point number three, Abraham was not justified also by the law. Abraham was not justified by the law. Verses 13 through 16, Richard.
1: not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all.
0: Great, we'll stop right there for now. Abraham was not justified by the law. Here's the, here's the easy part of it. When did the law come to Israel? Did Abraham have the Ten Commandments or the, the law of Moses? No, Moses came after Abraham. So it would be impossible for Abraham to be justified by the law because, quite frankly, he didn't technically have it. It came later through Moses, and therefore, because it comes by grace through faith, it is therefore guaranteed to all his offspring on grace. Verse 16, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring by faith, by faith, by faith. Now, here's a fun Bible study uh, thing you ought to do later if you want to look at this more. And I did this this week that... I would challenge you from chapter 3, verse 21, all the way through chapter 4, count, okay, or circle is what I did in my Bible. Go through there and count or circle the number of times that you read by faith, through faith, by believing, through belief, all those faith and belief. Go through 321 through the end of chapter 4 and just circle all those times. I counted by my count 21 times. That over and over, Paul is emphasizing, not by works, not by the law, not by circumcision, but through faith. He's pounding this in, right? Point number four. Not only was Abraham not justified by the law or by circumcision, uh, by works. Point number four, Abraham was was justified, was truly justified by faith, verses 17 through 22.
1: so oh. As it is written, where was I? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Abraham was justified by faith. And through this part right here, 17 through 22, you see an incredible uh, description of, of the nature of faith, what faith looks like. He says, in the presence of God in whom he believed, Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence existence the things that do not exist. I love the next phrase of verse 18. In hope he believed against hope. The nature of faith is to believe that what humanly and rationally looks impossible is possible because of who God is and what he has promised. In hope, Abraham believed against hope. Now, what did he believe God for? For his barren old wife, that she would be the mother of nations, that, that their offspring would be more than the stars that they could count. Genesis chapter 17, God takes Abraham out and says, look at the, look at the stars. Your descendants are gonna be more numerous than this. Well, how in the world is that possible, God? Because I'm like 100 years old and my wife's like 90 and last I checked, she, she didn't have any more life left in her. She's, she's barren, she's done. But God made a promise and Abraham believed in hope against hope. And I don't know what seems dead to you this morning. I don't know what seems impossible. I don't know what you're hoping, what you're up against, what looks like the end. But the nature of faith is to believe in a God who specializes in the impossible. And to Abraham and Sarah, the odds don't look good here but they trusted in God and they trusted in the promises that he had made to them. Look at verse 20. I love it. I memorized it a long time ago in a different translations, but he did not, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Man, there's, there's a whole sermon right in there. But he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. And then what did he do? As he gave glory to God. You know what that is the opposite of? That is the opposite of boasting. That Abraham didn't say, look at me, God chose me. I'm a pretty good guy, he must think a lot of me. He gave glory to God. He knew he had nothing in himself. He knew that Sarah had nothing in herself, but that God somehow had in his grace, decided to use this old man named Abraham and his old wife named Sarah and that they would bless the world through their descendants. And hope believed against hope, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith and gave glory not to himself, not to what he had done, not even to his faith, but gave glory to God. The bottom line of salvation is that you and I don't get glory, and God does. Because if you and I do something, they earn it, deserve it, merit it, then we get glory because we've done something. But because it's simply by grace through faith, God gets all of the glory. That's the end game of Christian salvation. Not our boasting, but the glory of God. So in summary, here it is. If we're all under sin, unrighteous, and fall short of God's glory, how do we attain righteousness? This is salvation summarized right here, primarily from Romans 3, 21 and onward, also from Ephesians 1, chapter 2. Um, The source of salvation is God. The basis of salvation is grace. Yes, I was right. The agent of salvation... Is Jesus, the instrument of its reception, of its accomplishment, excuse me, the cross, the blood, right? How many of you grew up singing that song? What can wash away my sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The instrument of the accomplishment of our salvation is Jesus' blood, the cross of Christ. The means of its reception is our faith. Again, 21 times in this passage, through faith, by faith, believing. The means of its reception is faith. The seal, we talked about earlier, is baptism. It's the sign and seal of our salvation. Have you been baptized? You should be. The fruit, good works. We're not saved by good works. No, no one is saved by good works. He talked about that in eight verses of chapter four. Ephesians 2, eight, nine, and 10. For by grace you've been through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of of God, not as a result of works. Why? So that no man should boast. There's that word, boast again. But verse 10, which we often leave off, uh, unfortunately, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're not saved by good works. But if you're saved, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The fruit of your salvation is, in fact, good works. And as I said before, the end game is the glory of God, not not our boasting. In what we've done, in our faith, in our church, in the family, family that we grew up in, and the number of Bible verses that we have memorized, we boast in Christ, and Christ alone. And that's point number five. We too can be justified by faith. And let me read for us verses 23 through 25. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe, underline believe, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It was not just counted as righteousness for Abraham. It's counted as righteousness for us too. We too can be justified by faith. And how does that happen? Because of Jesus, our Lord. Look again, verses 24 and 25. Who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I want you to think for a minute about the word Lord. And just really quickly here, I'm wrapping up. Lord means master, basically. Jesus, our master. But Jesus, our master, the Lord, the creator of the universe, was delivered up. For our trespasses, how many kings do you know that have left their throne to go on the battlefield and die for their soldiers? How many masters do you know that have been delivered up for their enemies' trespasses? Our Lord, our master, was delivered up for our trespasses, but not just delivered up for our trespasses, raised, raised from the dead for our justification. That's Easter. Our Lord was delivered up and raised for our justification. I hope one of the joys of my life is to every week sit down and study the Word of God. And I hope that you find these jewels and these things, and they jump out to you. But look at what jumped out to me this week as I thought about those last verses of chapter 4. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Master. Look at how chapter 5 starts just on your own right there in your Bible. We have peace with God through our Lord, our Master, Jesus Christ. Look at the way chapter 5 ends. So that sin ra- sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Turn to chapter 6. How does chapter 6 end? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And turn to chapter 7. And how does chapter 7 end? thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And how does chapter 8 end? Wonderful chapter that we'll get to later in the year. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the gospel, folks, is this that our Lord, our Master, was delivered over for our trespasses, but raised for our justification, so that you and I, no matter how bad we've been, whether we've been unrighteous, self righteous, or whatever, that we could put our faith in him and him alone and he not us get the glory our lord our master became our servant and our savior there's only there are a lot of ways to sin but there's only one way to be saved and that's through our lord jesus christ will you bow your head with me Maybe you are here this morning and you think that you're going to go to heaven because you're sitting here this morning or because you were baptized as an infant or because you're a better guy than most of the people that you work with. That is not good news. The good news of Jesus is that our master became our savior, became our servant. Our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification so that right now, no matter where you are in life, You can have the confidence that whether you are sitting right here in pity because of your sin or whether you are sitting here in pride because of your self-righteousness, you can know that because of the blood of Jesus, you're a son or daughter of God. And if that's new news to you, I invite you right now where you are to just pray and say, Jesus, I trust in you and you alone. There's no better news than the good news. There's no other way to be saved. Father, Son, and Spirit, there is no other God but you. Father, thank you that we can come to you this morning, that we can boast not in ourselves, but that we can boast in you, that we can give praise, that we can sing praise to you because of your Son Jesus, who is delivered for our trespasses. And for our justification. May we trust in him and him alone. It's in his beautiful name.